Well, uh, I was a little sad this morning. Little Peter Hansen, who had a solo last night, he came up and he was so proud to sing. And he looked out and he must have seen his grandparents or his mom and his dad. And he was singing a solo and he was all like, <laughs> he didn't do it. So I'm sad you missed that. But I, I think it's so important, really I do, that, that we get these kids an opportunity to come and to lead us in worship like that. And I think equally as important uh, for, for us to give them that opportunity that they know they have a voice here and that they have a place here and that we believe in them, I think it's just as important for us to learn from them. And I learn a lot from kids. They make it so simple. Uh, and, and it makes so much sense to them in ways that we make it so complex. And so I, I really hope that you were as blessed by that uh, as I was. Well, again, my name is Lee Hansen, and I serve here as the director of student ministries. And a couple months ago, I, I found myself in a, in a new place, and I didn't really know what to do with it. And so I called a, a good friend of mine, one of our elders, Bob Tinsley. He, uh, he sits on an advisory board for our student ministry staff, and I asked Bob if we could grab a bite to eat. And I was sitting with Bob, and I was, I was explaining to him this new stage of life that I, that I was experiencing. And it's an interesting stage because I, I don't feel like I'm a, a fresh new leader anymore. I, I've been in ministry for almost 10 years. Uh, I'm, you know, working on my master's in grad school and uh, I've had a little bit of ministry under my belt, but I also don't feel like I'm quite fully an adult yet. I don't know when that will happen, but I, I don't think it's now. And I was chatting with Bob about how when I first got into ministry, I, I felt so celebrated. And I, I felt like I was constantly receiving all sorts of affirmation and praise and these new opportunities and it was so exciting and it's, it's not that any of those things don't happen anymore. It just feels different and I'm experiencing it in, in new ways. And I was, I, was, I was listening to Bob respond to me and he was sharing that, that that's a really good thing. That as you grow in leadership and in Christ-like leadership and servant leadership, he said, Lee, you're probably going to receive less and less direct feedback. And less and less direct praise. And I stopped and I let that sit on me. And I, I looked back at Bob and I said, well, Bob, that sucks. <laughs> I didn't really say that. That's what I was thinking. And, and, and while I ascribe to that, like I, I get that. And I think it's good. I think it's healthy to move out of that stage. But at the same time, it's, it's been really hard. Because when I was in that period and when I was constantly receiving praise and affirmation, I felt like the shiny new toy a little bit. And it made me feel important and it made me feel special. And if I'm really honest, I think the ugliest places of my heart didn't just feel important and special. But they made me feel more important than other people. And they made me feel more special than other people. And I liked it. And it's not my heart, and it's certainly not Jesus' heart for my life, but, but it's just true. And, and I think about it, and I was thinking about it even more, and recognizing and agreeing with Bob that, that it's a good thing and that it's a healthy thing. It's kind of like uh, I'm angry that I didn't get invited to the party that I don't really want to be at anyways. And I don't think it's just a me thing. I think it's an us thing. And you think about our society, and you think about our culture, Everything we know, the way that this world works, it's all built around achieving status and position, isn't it? We have VIP nightclubs and red carpet events for celebrities. We, we DVR them on TV when we can't watch them. We have first class airline seats and special lines for those that can afford to fly that way. We have executive country clubs and, and certain neighborhoods that people dream of living in that, that that have a certain stigma. We shop at expensive stores when, 
when a store across the street without the name brand has the same thing. Our whole society is built around achieving this status and position. And we spend so much of our time and our energy pursuing these things. And they make us feel good and they make us feel important and special and unique. Now I'm not demonizing or saying any of these things alone on this list are bad. They're they're good things. They're meant for our enjoyment and for our pleasure. And that's okay. But where the problem comes is that these things take a place in our lives and in our hearts that, that, they, that they shouldn't. And they, they don't become just things that we enjoy. They become ways by which we measure our worth. And they become things that we use to identify who we are. And what's even scarier is when we do that with ourselves, when we allow ourselves to use these things to define us, we begin to other, define other people by what they have and the statuses that they can achieve and the positions that they sit in. And they asked me today to talk about being a servant and about serving. And we're in this gospel series. And that word gospel, maybe by now you've heard that it means good news. That's what that word gospel literally means. And I'm thinking about being a servant and putting others before me, saying no to myself so that someone else can have something. And I'm wondering, what's the good news in that? Like, why is that good news for me? And I think about what the world says is good news. The world tells us it's good news when you're on that VIP list. And the world tells us it's good news when you can finally afford and you made it and you can move into that neighborhood that you've always dreamed of. And the world tells you it's good news when you finally arrive at the place on top. But the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news that Jesus shares is that the way to the top is really the way to the bottom. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ says that when we identify with him as a suffering servant, we'll find lasting joy and peace that we will not find anywhere else. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that we can let go of our need for status and recognition and in that we will find great freedom. And that is good news to my heart. The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all paint Jesus in a different picture. Uh, They all focus on a different main theme. The the Gospel of Matthew portrays Jesus as as the Messiah, the King of the Jews. And the Gospel of Mark paints Jesus as the suffering servant. He weaves that thread through the entire text. And I want to share a story with you out of the Gospel of Mark today. And and I want to share a little bit of the backdrop before we get to our main text in Mark chapter 10. There's, There's these disciples named James and John. And they come up to Jesus, and they literally say to Jesus, these are their exact words, they say, Jesus, we would like for you to do whatever we want. Literally, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask. And Jesus says, okay, well, you know, what would you like me to do for you? And they say, Jesus, when you sit in your place of glory, when you finally become the king that we've been hoping you're going to become, and take power over this entire world, one of us wants to sit at your right, and the other wants to sit at your left. And I think about this story, and and I love that the disciples make such a ridiculous request. But I also think at the same time, I don't know where the, the, the slogan came that there are no such things as stupid questions, but I think that this is a really stupid question. But I I do, I love the audacity that the disciples have, that they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, do for me whatever we want, whatever we ask. And I laugh at that and I chuckle at that. And as I sat with that, uh, that phrase and that request that they ask, 
all of a sudden it, it, it stopped being a funny thing and it became something that sounds frighteningly familiar to the way that I approach Jesus. And the way that I think you probably approach Jesus. Yes, Jesus, your kingdom come and your will be done, but I would really like that promotion. Jesus, uh, I want to enter into this humility thing and engage in in having less, but uh, I would also like a little bit more. And Jesus, what I'd really like is for him or her that drives me crazy to leave my life for this hard situation that I'm in, I'd really like it to stop. Jesus, do for me whatever I want. And I also think it's bigger than being a little silly or being a little bit selfish. You see, these guys, James and John, they were Jesus' disciples. They, they felt his touch. They experienced his miracles. They, they heard his voice. And they're still convinced, even though Jesus has told them three times at this point, multiple times Jesus has told him that they, he is going to suffer death on a cross. And that they were headed to Jerusalem, not for him to take this political power as they were hoping and thinking, but that he was going to lay his life down as a servant. And these guys, they totally don't get it. They totally miss everything and the whole point of what Jesus was trying to explain to them. They were still convinced that Jesus was going to be the king that they wanted him to be. One of my favorite commentators, Tom Wright, says this about the story. He says, James and John want to turn Jesus' messianic journey to Jerusalem into a march to glory. A glory in which they will sit on either side of him when he reigns as king. They've clearly heard all the language about suffering and death and rising again simply as a set of pictures. Perhaps meaning, it's going to be tough, but we're going to come out on top, right? Just like me, James and John, I think, love to be the shiny toys. They love to be in power, and they love status, and they loved position. But the message of Jesus was everything but that. And they totally missed it. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus responds to them so clearly and so straightforward. He looks at them and after they make this request of sitting at his right and left and he says, you have no idea what you're asking. Jesus says, you have absolutely no idea what you're asking. And I highly doubt that these two men would have been asking the same question if they knew soon to be sitting at Jesus' left and right would mean that they would literally be entering into his crucifixion as Jesus hung on a cross and died the most horrific, painful death we've ever seen. Tom Wright continues to say about the story is that the reason James and John misunderstood Jesus is exactly the same reason why so many subsequent thinkers down to our day are desperate to find a way of having Jesus without having the cross as well. The cross calls to question all human pride and glory. We are desperate to find a way of having Jesus without having the cross as well. And the cross of Jesus Christ as a suffering servant calls into question all human pride and glory. And so the story resumes in Mark chapter 10 verses 42 through 45. And after this discourse and Jesus explaining to them why they don't get it and and why they can't sit at his left and his right, he says this. He called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, not so with you. 
You've seen all sorts of other kings and rulers. The history writes about them. You, you know what it's been like. They use that power and authority to lord it over people in, in harsh ways and in ways that abuse their power. And he says, not so with you. Don't be like the rest of the world. Don't feed the system that says the last are the weak. Don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. And then Jesus goes on to, to bring it a little bit deeper. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must become a slave to all. And what Jesus does, where I'd like to spend a little bit more time, is he uses this form of teaching called parallelism. It was very common throughout the scriptures. He, he takes it one idea and he, re, he reiterates it again in a more powerful way to take it to a deeper place. And that first response, he says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. That word servant in the Greek is the word daikonos. And that word literally means one who executes the commands of another. One who serves food and drink. So this word daikonos bears implications of of fulfilling an obligation or performing a duty or a service. Like a waiter does when you go out to a restaurant. You, You ask what you want and he brings it to you. That's what this word is. This idea of serving other people. And we do a lot of stuff like that at CPC. A lot of really great stuff like serving Saturdays and uh, service learning on Wednesday nights with kids and student ministries where we shut the doors of this church and we go out to the community into impoverished neighborhoods and we experience new realities that expand our picture of who God is. And we come here and we volunteer as ushers or Sunday school teachers or small group leaders on Sunday mornings. We give our services to the homeless as we go and serve meals and those are all really good things and this this is what Jesus is talking about here. That if we want to become great among anybody, we have to first figure out this idea of what it means to be a servant. And while all these things are good, it's good to make somebody smile. The kids listed a million reasons. It's good to serve a meal. It's good to make people feel better. Those are good things. And they're absolutely, they're absolutely a piece of what it means to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, if we stop there, which I think most of us do, I think we miss out on the bigger picture and the greater call of what Jesus invites us to in becoming servants. If it stops at just serving, if it stops at just making somebody smile or bringing somebody a meal or helping somebody feel better, I think we fall short and we are left with an inaccurate and incomplete definition of what it means to be a servant. And so Jesus takes it that step farther. He goes on to say, he said, whoever wants to be first must become a slave to all. And he uses a different word there. That word slave is doulos in the Greek. Whoever wants to be first must become a slave to all. And that word means a slave, one who gives himself up to another's will. Someone who is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. Very different word. And all of a sudden, when I'm invited and asked to to, to disregard my own interest for somebody else's, it becomes a little bit harder than just serving a meal. And it becomes a little bit different than than just making somebody feel better or feeling better about myself. Jesus is inviting us literally to lay down our lives so that someone else can be exalted. This whole idea, when we think about service, we think about just doing stuff and that Jesus isn't talking about that. What Jesus is talking about stems from a deeper place and it requires a shift and a change in our thought process and our actions. A a shift and a change where, where we really believe 
that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And that we don't just intentionally put ourselves last because we hope someday we're going to be first. And we don't just intentionally serve so that we know that we will eventually be served back. And that we engage with Jesus in in embarking on a change that only he is capable of making. And a change that only exists inside the kingdom of God. Where we don't have to cling on to our status or power and position or sit at anybody's left or right. And I was out with some friends at dinner on Friday night and I was, I, was, I was struggling with this because I have a lot of big dreams and I'm a passionate guy and I like, I like big things and I like to run after them really hard. And, and I was wondering, like, what does that mean then? Because it can't mean that we can't be ambitious or driven or pursue excellence in our workplace. It, it doesn't mean that. So what does it mean? And I asked my friends that and this is the list that, that they said. What does it mean to put ourselves last? When we put ourselves last, it means that we don't gain status or position at somebody else's expense. And when we put ourselves last, we actively engage in self-sacrifice so that somebody else can be exalted. And when we put ourselves last, we let go of demanding recognition and praise for our accomplishments and deeds. When we put ourselves last, we submit to authorities in our life, even when it's hard. And when we put ourselves last, we continue to honor God with our best at work after we didn't get the promotion. Because when we engage in a lifestyle that involves these types of things, I think we accept Jesus' invitation to partner with him and bring God's love to a broken and hurting world. And I think that's what service was about for Jesus. I don't think it was about the stuff. I don't really think at all it was about what he did. I think it was about for Jesus living out a reality that he knew deep in his core that he was the beloved son of God the Father. And the service that we saw Jesus perform and the deeds that he did were an outward manifestation of an inward reality. And for Jesus, serving was about restoring dignity to the broken. And becoming a servant was about bringing God's healing to people that were in pain. And service for Jesus was about showing the immeasurable riches of God's kingdom to the poor. I love the last line in in this account that Jesus has with his disciples. Jesus says to his disciples, he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, his very life, as a ransom for many. Jesus not only died on the cross, but he did so as the climax of a well-thought-out vocation. Jesus didn't just serve. It wasn't something that he did. It was who he was, and it was the whole reason he came. He came to serve. And I wonder what it would require and what would need to change in us for us to be able to say that we came to serve, not to be served or to cling on to status or to spend our best energy and efforts on things that aren't worthy of it. Because serve is a verb and serving is an adjective. Serve is a verb and servant is an adjective describing the character and personhood of who Jesus was in his heart for us. And I would love to tell you how, how we get there. 
and I don't necessarily know, but here's what I do know. That Jesus continues to win me over as I actively engage in a lifestyle that I don't fully understand. As I submit myself to the idea of letting somebody else be first and putting myself last so that somebody can be exalted. Of letting go of needing recognition and praise for my deeds and accomplishments. As I actively engage in those things, I'm won over to this idea and invitation to become a slave and to live the life of a servant. And so I want you to serve. I want you to serve like crazy in your marriages, at church, uh, to strangers, to your neighbors, to your friends and your families. I want you to serve. But as you do, I, I want to invite you to take it to a deeper place as we experience the gospel every day. And so I'd love for you to ask yourself this question in your service. No matter where you are or what you're doing, on a daily basis, ask yourself, how do I serve and intentionally put myself last so that someone else can be first? Where in my life am I putting myself last so that somebody else can be first? And my hope as we serve and ask ourselves that question is that we wouldn't simply be a church that serves, but that God would change us and transform us into a church full of servants. Pray with me, please. God, I mean this stuff. In one hand and in the other hand, I, I don't understand this stuff. But I've experienced tastes of your life as I've humbled myself and entered into this lifestyle of becoming a servant. It's what I want for me and it's what I want for this church. And so Holy Spirit, we, we beg for your presence and we beg for your guidance and your knowledge and your wisdom in that process as we together, as broken people, Declare we need you, Jesus. So help us, lead us, guide us. Amen.